Hello again, Sydney. I'm Li Lin-Chin. Remember, the train line between Epping and Chatswood is now closed, so it can be upgraded for the Sydney Metro Northwest. In the meantime, there's Station Link, a high-frequency bus service that takes you from station to station on seven different routes. I know it's a big change, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. Plan your trip. Visit transportnsw.info. Authorised by the New South Wales Government, Sydney. You are listening to the Hello Sport Podcast. Welcome to the Hello Sport Podcast. Two in one week. This is your lucky week, punters, dribblers. Home of unqualified opinion, unwavering bias, as you know. Big show today. Now, as I said before, if you're getting two in one week, you know something's up. And you'd be right. This week, we've uh, we've got former Wallaby legend joining us. That's right. Winger. Winger by trade. Moved into the the commentary game. He's now on Fox Sports commentating all of their live rugby games, NRC, internationals, all that shit. You can also catch him every Wednesday at 7.30 on Fox Sports' dedicated rugby show, Kick and Chase. It's on Channel 503, Wednesday, 7.30, punters, dribblers. Talking about none other than the great Drew Mitchell. Drew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you very much for coming in. Pumped for you to be here, mate. Yeah, yeah. got to be honest. I'm, I'm really pumped. pumped. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's quite an honour. Fe- a lot of feeling, a lot of energy in the room. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, let's just jump straight into the news in rugby, if we can. Just we'll get into, you know, what it's like to be Drew Mitchell a little later on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so... Kirtley's back at 10. We've been calling for it for a couple of weeks. Yeah. We've wanted Kirtley back in there. What are your thoughts? Uh, mate, I mean, I'm close with both Bernard and Kirtley, but uh, it's a great opportunity for Kirtley. I, I spoke to him and, um, you know, I basically just sort of said, mate, you've been given the keys to to the Lamborghini, really. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, yeah. it's, it's your job now to steer it around and, and, yeah. and do well. And, um, you know, and he's, he's really excited by it. I think uh, the way he plays, he, he's pops up quite a lot at uh, first receiver anyway um, and you know he's he's also also kind of almost been really wanting a leadership role um, you know obviously you know you don't have to have the VC or the C next to your name to be a leader within a group but certainly when you're the 10 you're directing everything everyone's looking to you in those crucial moments what the call is and um, you know there's no better way to do it than in a, in a gold jersey yeah and look I know you're friends with Bernard and Curtly, so you don't, yeah. wanna, you don't want to shit on anyone I know it's a hard <laughs> situation to be in but is it is one of the things that we've been lacking and again coming from an absolute layman but like what currently offers is a bit of unpredictability a bit of spark whereas Bernard seems to be a little bit more uh, like rudimentary if, yeah again that sounds like I'm I mean, no 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 I understand no I understand I mean I think um, you know what you, you need both in a, in a back line and uh, this weekend with the makeup. Uh, Kirtley brings out obviously that unpredictability at 10 but then uh, I guess the the more controlled kind of uh, play comes from Matt Tamura at 12 whereas yeah. previously it was Bernard giving you that at 10 and, and Curly, um the unpredictability at 12 so they've just gone for something different um, I think also and and you know I've spoken to Bernard since he's um, you know the selection's been announced and he just sort of said you know basically I need to go and reassess where my game's at and, and turn it into a, into a positive and and, uh, and come back um, and, and address the things I'm not sure what they were, but I'm address the things that Czech told him uh, as to the reasons why he's, he's been uh, benched this weekend and, and what turned do you around. Think they were if you were if you were going to critique why you know Kirtley might be a better option to Bernard. Do you would what would you say? Um, 
I mean, I, I think uh, probably for the last couple of years there hasn't really been any genuine pressure on Bernard. Mm. There hasn't been another a number ten within Australian rugby that was, has been really pressuring him. So, um, not that it's my opinion, but there's always a, uh, I guess, an element or a risk of becoming a little bit complacent. And and Bernard, you know, Bernard's rise was was pretty, you know. Pretty quick, yeah. And then it, you know, straight to the ba- top. Perhaps check maybe a thought that it's you know it's, he's he's got to that level and maintain that level rather than continuing to to impress. And sometimes you need a bit of a kick in the ass by getting dropped, and and uh, you know it, uh, it it plays on the pride a bit. And but sure enough, you, you'll be you. I'm sure Bernard would be addressing his extras a lot more this week than perhaps he's been doing. So maybe that's uh, that's probably been the thing that Czech wanted that kind of response. Mm. And how is Curly? Is he is he pumped? Yeah, he's good. Yeah, yeah he's uh, he's good. He, he called me the other night, um, and he just sensed on the phone that I was a bit busy, so he didn't tell me. <laughs> he didn't tell me that he was going to be the ten. Like I kind of, you know, we we're talking, and uh, and I sort of felt like he wanted to say something, but I was, you know, I was. I was at work actually and I was a bit rushed and I think he sensed that I had a bit going on and so he just left it and then an hour later or so it was announced that, uh, or maybe a couple of hours later it was announced that he was the number 10 and I sent him a thing I go fuck mate why would you tell me the number 10 for the Wallabies he's like oh you, just, you sounded busy he does. so I didn't want to I was like mate I'm never too busy to hear that kind of information like I'm fucking proud of you like you give me that you give me that information yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, no, he's pumped uh, he, you know he's he loves sort of having the ball in his hands and you know other than the number 9 there won't be anyone with the ball in his hands more than than Kirtley on on Saturday night. So um, we're just looking forward to see what he can do with it. Yeah, how long's it been since he had the ten on his? He's back? only played it seven times or something yeah. in his career. Yeah, and total. And, yeah, for the Wallabies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but he's got a pretty good record in it. Um, Does he? Yeah, I think uh, only lost twice out of those two. Really? Uh, those seven times. Well, so this has been a long time coming. Then. Yeah, I mean there was two draws and four wins in uh, in, in those. So um, I mean. Two draws. Yeah, I think against Wales, we're, we're pretty tight in those end of season yeah, tour games. Right. Yeah, 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 but long tours, mate. That's it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> long tours. Kurt- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kurtley seems like he's. I mean, he's been a gun for so long, but uh, we were even looking at some highlights of his schoolboy highlights just a yeah. couple of days ago. Um, but he was obviously like he was a prodigy. He was yeah. someone that was touted for greatness from a very young age. Yeah. Then he was playing Waratahs and he was 17. And then he was so, he was always there. And then he had these moments where he was sort of like, there was that in the high belt where he kicked that goal and yeah. like a couple of things where you're like, all right, he's arrived. Yeah. Now it kind of seems like even more than ever though now, he's like, he's in the top couple of players in the world. Yeah, for and sure. And he's really delivering on all of that, you know, hype as a young player. As yeah. a young person? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when he came on the scene, I was playing at the Western Force at the time, and I was like, who's this bloke? You know, everyone's been talking about him for years. Yeah. And, uh, and now he's, you know, he's in his first season. I remember playing him at the Western Force, and I was at fullback, and off a centre field scrum, I went through him and, and passed to someone, they scored. And I said, oi, didn't your fucking shoulders make it across the nullar wall? <laughs> and it was a throwaway line for me, just trying to get under the skin of a young guy, maybe, you know, make him think about something else. Yeah. Kirtley still talks to me about that this day. <laughs> oh, really? That, but that's the only reason I remember it because he he retells it. Like for me, I just forgot about it straight yeah. away. But you know, for a young guy like who, you know, is in, in that environment for the first time, like I, I think I really quite hurt the guy. <laughs> uh, but now, obviously, we're good mates. But um, but you know, and then like you say, he's had moments and shown glimpses uh, for for long periods of time, yeah. but also other times because it's it's hard to maintain that, I suppose. But I think um, a big part of his growth and maturity was 
going away and playing in London. Yeah. Um, he went over there injured. Uh, you know, he was on his own. He's away from his normal support network. And and not only just the stuff off the field, but his game just evolved. He, he always had that unpredictability, that flash of brilliance, the, the highlight reel capacity. But what he brings now is a real balance. And, mm. you know, some of Kirtley's greatest highlights this year kicking a corner uh, a ball into the corner at the right time and dribbling it out five metres from the line you know yeah. like those sorts of things you didn't see in his game five years ago and so I think the fact that he's got that full arsenal now where he can he can understand the tempo of the game what's needed you know play the percentages play the territory but then also come up with those things that no one else on the field can do um, that's why I think he's you know certainly considered in the you know be in the discussion for the one you know the top five of, of pl- the players in the world at the moment yeah crazy to think that, that- that's how long it can take to develop all yeah, yeah. The, the goodies, you know, yeah. I mean? all the tricks. Like, because he's always been flashy. He's always yeah. been outrageous. He's always been, been able to pull off some such a shit. footballer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. But now he's starting to develop these, the nuances of the yeah. game. Have you seen his schoolboy highlights? Yeah, I have you? Yeah. They're so yeah. sick. We're on so front row highlights uh, on Instagram. And just like some of the shit, he's, I went to one of the schools that we played against him, but like, yeah. he was just, there's some of the shit he would pull off was yeah. just ridiculous. Ridiculous. I, I think he's trying to bring that type of form back because he's grown out his mullet like he used to have it yeah, yeah, as a schoolboy as well. And he's, you know, he's, he loves how thick it's getting and how long and flowy <laughs> it's getting. So, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully we see some similar highlights on, on Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just on another 5-8, like with Quaid, what yep. do you, is he being hardly, is he being hard done by in terms of just being completely outcast in that sort of conversation? Yeah, in my opinion, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's a matter of opinion, really. Yeah. Uh, in terms of Brad Thorne has one that he thinks it's not good for the team and their culture or something moving forward. Quaid came back um, <clears throat> from France to to live at home. He signed in Queensland. Uh, he's just renovated a house with his partner, and you know he's <clears throat> excuse me. He's got uh, you know he's got his family around and all that sort of thing. He wanted to play in Queensland, and that's mm. why, up you know. He's not made the decision to go and talk to the Brumbies or the Rebels. I mean, just in the last couple of days, there's been talks. But in terms of this year, he didn't Where, go. Who's been talking? He's been in talks with Melbourne Rebels, apparently. Ah, right. um, but this is all sort of reported. I don't yeah. know to what um, degree. But uh, you know, he, he could have probably gone down to the Rebels or Brumbies earlier on this year. But he was like, well, no. I mean, I, I came back because I wanted to play for my home state and live at home. And so that's you know, like people are like, why is why is he why is there so much money being spent on a player that's playing for South in the Queensland Club Comp? But if it wasn't Quade Cooper and it was someone else on fifty grand a year, but in the same position where they weren't wanted by Brad Thorne they would go back to club footy. So in some ways, I'm actually like really impressed that he's still able to keep himself so motivated to go back and play, you know, well, I guess seemingly go back and play at a, at a, a grassroots level mm. and, and help. And he's, you know, and he's, he's spoken a number of times about how much it's actually really helped him on and off the field. And, um, and there was also talk about, you know, the NRC coaches not considering him because he's Queensland art. And I was like, well... That's ridiculous. Yeah, it was, and I, I said something on Twitter. I was like, well, how can you say that the NRC is a pathway to the Queensland Reds or if, if, you're, not, if you're then denying the fact that the club competition is not a pathway to the NRC? Like, yeah. He's doing everything he can. Like He's playing at the, the highest level that he can at the moment and he's playing well. And so if he's the best option at the NRC, then they should pick him. And So Thorne's just off him. Uh, yeah, well, seemingly, yeah. Is there any... Do you know why? Uh, I just think he wanted to 
don't know. I, I guess start afresh and <clears throat> from that uh, 2011 team that won the the. Um, the Super Rugby title there's not too many of them still around and I think uh, I don't know Qu- Quade's a strong personality and I yeah. think they, he just thought it's going to be I don't know I, 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 this is only from my opinion yeah, on the outside yeah, I think yeah. Brad Thorne must have thought it's going to be easy for me to implement what I want and where I want this team and the culture to go forward without Quade Cooper and yeah. um, I, you know I mean Quade was you know, a young, brash player, confident player back yes. in the day, right? And, you know, there were times where he said some things that I would openly oppose in, you know, like in the media and things. And, uh, you know, that one time where he said if he was picked for the Wallabies, he wouldn't, he wouldn't play or something. Yeah. And, but at the same time, like, he's a guy that he's developed and matured a lot as well. I mean... Everyone says It's the same thing, right? Like, the, the James O'Connors of the world, the Quake Coopers of the world we still judge them as the 22-year-old version of themselves yeah. and don't give them any, uh, I guess... Um, I don't know, we, we don't give them that... Well, we, don't, we don't actually give them the opportunity to actually see who they are now and, and, and the, the growth in their character and, mm. and the maturity and all that sort of thing. And, and that's what's disappointing because, you know, there was, I was someone that, um, you know, we had times where we didn't always necessarily see things the, the same way, but I spent time with both those guys, James and Quaid at, at Toulon, mm. and their development's been, like, was, has been massive. Yeah. And those both of those two would would add a lot to any super rugby team in Australia, not just from what they could do on the field, but their preparation, the way that, like, the experience they could like impart onto other players, and also they're just the way they see the game. Like, not many people see the game like Quade Cooper. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's, uh, it's just a, a depth of experience and talent that we're just not tapping into when we don't have... A, you know, a yeah, pool of talent. Let's call it yeah. what it is. We don't have really. Yeah. It's not a deep depth pool. issue. Yeah. 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 So, would you, is James any chance of coming back? James, I think, I mean, similar to Quaid, his, the, the perception and again, some of the things he said. Yeah. He, 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 he became a hard guy to like from a fan's perspective. You know what I mean? He was, he was great. Yeah. yeah. He just became a hard guy to like. Bit but too he big got, for his boots almost. He got but that he was sort young. of vibe. He was young, exactly. He was, young. He was young. And, and these guys, you know, he was 17. Out yeah. of Nudgy playing Super Rugby, I yeah, mean, you forget that. You know, like, yeah, yeah, he's slaughtering it, mate. Yeah, he was so, unbelievable. But uh, no, he's going well. He's, he's just recovering from an ankle uh, injury, like surgery. Mm. Um, he's at Sale in Manchester in the UK, and I, I think he has got aspirations of coming back. And uh, you he's know, still young enough to do it, eh? Yeah, because it's hard to deny the fact that he's someone that hasn't fulfilled his potential in a gold jersey. Yeah, he's still got a lot to offer, and um, you know, if he comes back and he earns the right, then I'd love to see him out there again. How uh, how is your time in Toulon? It seems like it just is like a a place where all of the best motherfuckers just come <laughs> and play once they're sort of they're not. Well, no, some of them are still playing for their countries, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, when I went over there, the rule was that you couldn't, and okay. so that was part of the decision. You know, big part of the decision and why it was so hard. But uh, I went over when I was what twenty twenty eight twenty nine and. Uh, and wanted something different, a different uh, atmosphere and a different challenge. And, and like you say, there's was, was a pretty good lineup. Like, yeah. I walked into the gym and there's like, all these guys that I played against and looked up to for long. Like, my captain was Johnny Wilkinson. and Ridiculous. Yeah, like, the fours is Carl Heyman and Bucky's both to Ali Williams, Chris Marsoig, yeah. Juan Smith, like, Fernandez Lobe. We had Gitz, uh, Brian Abana, Lee Half. Like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it's, like, it's actually yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, like, we were a team that coached itself. Like, Johnny and Gitz ran the backs. Really? Carl Heyman. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just had a coach, Bernard Laporte, that was kind of like a... Um, almost like a manager. He just yeah. throw, he'd throw the ball out in the field, roll it on the ground and say, all right, 
start and then we just and really you guys are just sort of and we do that we, we didn't do one I didn't attempt one tackle in four years of training there was no oh. no contact he said oh, so we, it was just heaven yeah it was, oh mate, it was so good like we'd just sit there and we'd say, he'd say there's enough opportunity to get injured in games yeah, so I'm not going to do it at training. We're like, good on really? you, yeah. We're like, wow, it's like having a substitute teacher or something yeah, at school. You yeah, just get exactly. away with everything. Mate, it, it was actually because his family lived in Paris, so he would only fly to Toulon every Thursday. <laughs> You're kidding? Yeah, like Monday and Tuesday training. Wednesday we had off, but Monday and Tuesday training, he wouldn't even be there. <laughs> like, mate, it was it was honestly like it was a bit of a, a circus, but in a good way for the first two years because yeah. we were winning. Yeah, and then it became a bit of a circus in in not so good ways because we weren't winning. So, but that's the that's the way it goes with uh, with French rugby. Sometimes when it's privately owned, yeah. the, the owners are the ones that have a lot of say. Like, we'd be half time in a game not going particularly well at home. And our owner would come in and tell us we're the worst team he's ever had in 11 years. We're all assholes. He's like, I, I want Johnny back. I want Bucky's back. We're like, well, they've retired. You can't have him back. Like, and uh, they'd say to um, Martin Castro Giovanni, the big Italian prop with the long hair yeah, and the beard. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. He said, I, I signed Castro Giovanni. I got Martin. Like, where's where's Castro? I, oh, I got right. Martin. Um, you know, sort of sort of spraying him. And um, how do you guys react to something like that when it's going on? It's because it's kind of funny. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm like, yeah. we probably don't want to piss off the owner here. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it was just like, you know, yeah. you just grin and bear it and, you know, out he goes and then we just sort of move on with it. Um, other times, you know, we had a uh, we had a holiday um, guaranteed. We had to achieve first or second by a certain date and we did that, but we lost uh, the home game, like, basically the day before our holidays were meant to start and you just don't lose home games over there. Right. And he came in, he said, your holidays are cancelled. We had like nine days off. He said, your holidays are cancelled. Uh, but you're training on Monday and we're like well we're not like I was booked in like French Alps skiing like I'm not like I'm not not going mate um, some, of the South African boys, some of the South African boys are going home like to see their families yeah. <clears throat> and it just became a bit of a like a standoff in the dressing room so players we'd all converse over here in one corner we'd, we'd the captain Dwayne Vermeulen would walk over and say so um, we're having those days off and he's like well um, you won't play next game He's like, well, we've just got 30 bikes that have committed to not playing the next game then. <laughs> wow. And it just, like, it got like that. And uh, and so we just had to say to the, some of the boys who were actually staying in Toulon, whatever you do, just don't go into training at all. Like, if you want to train, train elsewhere. Because otherwise you're doing everyone else in the eye. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, and whilst I was, I was at Folly Deuce, it's like heavy kind of party bar halfway up the mountain, kind of like, you know, like Aperol, like, um, what is it? Apres skiing. Apres skiing, yeah. And there's like, Standing on tables and there's you know speakers and all the rest and I took this photo and uh, and I tweeted Morad saying you know thank you for the holidays Morad <laughs> and uh, he tweeted back saying you've been on holidays for two years <laughs> so whilst whilst you do have you know confrontation with them you know there's also some good times and you can share it as well it's just you know they're very passionate and yeah. uh, and in the heat of the moment he was really disappointed that we lost that game and tried to take something away from us that he thought was really going to work and. Didn't. It was actually better that we did go away and have that holiday and we could refresh and come back because you start in August and you finish in June. Like, that's how long your season is. So it's Crazy. important to, It's important to have those days. How like, many games do you play? I don't like know, 40, pretty... 42 games. Oh, shit. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, weird different breaks and stuff, international breaks. Yeah, you have, and... like, a, a week off during the, the autumn series, um, you know, like the, when yeah, our boys yeah. go up to the spring tour. Uh, then a couple more one-week breaks during their Six Nations 
Um, but you, they play, you play like European Cups and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the top fourteen comp will stop for two weeks while you play two Heineken Cup games, and then again late like a month later you do the same. But you play all the way through Christmas and New Year's and oh Jesus, yeah. How many trophies did you amass? Uh, myself, I was involved with uh, with three. So the boys won the Heineken Cup before I got there, and then when I got there, we won the Heineken Cup again and also the very next week the top 14 the, the French Championship so that was the first time I think maybe that anyone had done the double mm. oh really and then the next year we won the Heineken again uh, lost the final of the the top 14 and then the next two years we bowed out in the, the Heineken in the quarterfinals and the um, top 14 in the final so my last game was we, we lost the final so not a bad way I suppose yeah it's alright there are worse ways to yeah. go out I'm sure yeah. I mean I, I I partied like I won so it was fine yeah yeah, yeah. I, I just don't I didn't want to brush over this what was it like playing with Johnny Wilkinson like what's he like uh, mate he's, he's super um, committed like yeah you have to go a long way to find anyone that says committed to his craft his or her craft um, than Johnny with, with, with rugby like he takes it super seriously and, and you know it's his, it, was his, it was his passion but he also um, you know has spoken openly about how controlling it became over his life and and uh, and how he would struggle with, with things and uh, you know I read an article not so long ago that he spoke about how We'd be at, in the dressing room at Toulon like three minutes before we're going on, just about to go into a huddle, and Johnny's on his phone trying to call his his kicking coach in the cubicle, with because oh. he's I, I can't go out. I'm not, like I'm not ready. I'm not you know like oh, just wow. just like yeah just Crippling. like crippled with fear yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and he said of course like my you know the coach wasn't answering like <laughs> and I'm hearing you know, you know where's Johnny like I've got to go out there and just you know do one of those speeches where you're beating your chest and yeah. he's like I, I just. I couldn't do it. I couldn't bring my... Like, sure enough, he went out there... And did. No one knew, and he played, and he went really well. But so um, I think because he was so committed to his craft and, you know, just obviously created some uh, some other, I guess, struggles for him and torment. But outside of that stuff, like, he's a genuinely good guy. Like, probably only got on the drink with him maybe once or twice. Once we won the double. Um, yeah, I gave him a decent wedgie after that one. Um, <laughs> it's probably a story for another time. But um, and then another time, he invited myself and gets to his holiday home over in Majorca, and uh, so we went over there. And I'm thinking, how good, like, you know, going to be great. We're going to actually be able to just relax and you know get on the beers and just you know whatever. And the first day, we um, he gets us up at like seven a.m. He's like, "Come on, boys, we're going for a run." Oh like, Jesus! <laughs> it's like one of those Tom Brady training. Yeah, things. and then so we were running up this hill, and every third telegraph pole you had to stop. Like, you had to work real hard for three telegraph poles, stop, and your rest was eight deep breaths. Oh. As soon as you have eight breaths, you got to go to the next. And I was like, a <laughs> so like, I, I got like barely any breath, any, any rest. And up I go again. Halfway through this session, like I'm vomiting on the sideline. I mean, in the gutter actually it wasn't even sideline because we're on the road. And then uh, gets gets and Johnny just tearing through it. And I'm like, look, okay, I can cop that if we because we're going on a boat that day. Yeah, right. I can cop that if we're going to go out on a boat and you know just enjoy enjoy the water and just get on the drink. Yeah, Johnny Diet Coke all day. Really? Yeah, like we're playing like skimball, 
we weren't allowed to leave until we had like 200 consecutive catches. Yeah, but yeah, it was not. It was you know, it's it like as much as I joke about how um, you know, like I guess strict he is with yeah. some things. Um, you know, like he's a good guy, got a really good sense of humour that um, you know, I guess is quite surprising, and uh, he's someone that uh, you know I'm still in touch with, and he's just had a little a little baby just recently. So oh, cool, um, yeah, he's uh, he's a good man. Did you um just on sort of like the anxiety side of professional sport and like that I guess quest for perfection all that yeah. did you experience that sort of any not anything similar to that whether it be when you were coming up or when you'd sort of you were established or just that pressure um, yeah I mean obviously there's, there's pressure and when you first start you just like you don't really know how you prepare yeah um, so when I first started the Queensland Reds I just would mimic the guys that I looked up to and their preparation so I'd look over at Chris Latham and see what he's doing and then I was rooming with Wendell Saylor for a while and on game day we used to go to the Sofitel in Queensland on game day instead of going down to the pre-game meal he'd order a steak sandwich fries and a, and a you know Coca-Cola and, we, and we'd just watch the racing channel so I was like okay well that, that became my preparation for a while and uh, but soon you know after a while you kind of work out what works for you and I'm not one about um, superstitions or routine because if you get really stuck on those things and for whatever reason you can't have the meal you normally have or you can't do this or you can't get that much sleep or the afternoon nap or whatever, and I've seen it with other people. It starts to derail them a little bit and they start to worry about the wrong things. Yeah. So I just became someone that just just listened to what my body was asking. If it was tired, I went to sleep. If, if I felt like a particular meal, I would have that. Um, if I wanted to stretch, I'd stretch. You know, like I just became, I don't know, I guess I became good at... Um, listening to the feedback my body was giving me and but I was also someone that mentally couldn't concentrate for a long period of time before a game like I'd you know I couldn't play otherwise I'd I'd just be exhausted by the time I got there Um, so I'd just you know I was always a bit of a a joker within the dressing room but you pick the players that you could joke with and then you know some a bit serious you avoid them you don't want to interrupt anyone but it wouldn't be until around that three minute mark that Johnny's in the bathroom and I'm searching for a bathroom because I get this like wave all of a sudden all those nerves and anxieties like hit me yeah. and I throw up really and uh, oh, every game yeah like literally from from uh, probably around first 15 at school like every game I played since like club footy Jesus um, test matches anything super rugby or, or top 14 even when I come back I'd play for Randwick or when I played even for Balmain and the subbies <laughs> oh, I was yeah. spewing there really? um, yeah so um, and it just be, you know the boys sort of knew I joined the huddle just maybe a minute afterwards and I'd have the, the red eyes like the teary eyes but um, did you vomit before coming on here Drew? no no no, 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 no. <laughs> now I mean don't get me wrong now I vomit but it's normally on Sunday mornings it's just, uh, yeah but um I, I was probably knocking on that door when Johnny was trying to make that phone call. He's probably like, "Who's this bloke? Like, let me just have this call." But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, it's one of those things that you just kind of got to work out what works for you and and what doesn't. And so then, knowing that that was my pregame, almost became, I guess, a pregame ritual. Um, I. I was comfortable enough eating whatever I wanted that day because I knew I wasn't going to take it out in the field with me. So, uh, you know, the guy's like, no, I can't eat that because it sits too heavy. And I'm like, oh, it's only going to sit too heavy until kickoff for me. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there's ways you work around it. Yeah, nice. Um, does it get annoying? Has it been annoying for you recently, the sort of the tone of the conversation around rugby in Australia, where, like, it's kind of negative from most aspects in the sense of like we're not winning anything yep uh, we have a like a uh, when our talent pool isn't 
very deep. Yeah, attendance so, rates are low. Attendance rates are low. Super rugby, you know. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Does it sort of because whilst like I mean it's kind of it is true. Does it kind of get a bit? Uh, mate, hard to talk about it all the time? Or like no, not necessarily. I, I think, you know, elements are certainly true and they're not things that we should shy away from. I think we need like that we need to address these things. But, yeah. but the, the thing that disappoints me and frustrates me more so is that people that have a platform that was given, them, given, to, them, uh, given uh, to them by rugby itself are now turning around and shitting on that same game. Like former players, former coaches that we just hear that just say a headline just to kind of be relevant again. Yeah. And but all they're doing is bringing negative um, exposure to a game that, you know, yeah, we're struggling. But rather than, um, you know, being the, the guy that needs to point out the negative all the time, why don't you help with a solution? Um, you know, some of these older guys and, and former players just want, like they just say, oh, this is bad. Look at this. This isn't good enough, and that's it. Like, yeah. thanks, mate. Like, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Like, you know, thanks for telling us something we already know. But yeah. when, you know, if you if you're really that keen and, and care about the game that much, then get involved with the solution. I, I think you know, for me, um, there's just there's just too much negative dialogue around the game, and and sure, you know, things aren't where we want them to be. Um, you know, on, on all levels, from grassroots pathways to performance to attendance to the spectacle to the to the, the level of um, engagement in Super Rugby because the product's flawed. Like, yeah. let's be honest. But yeah. we and so what we need to do is make sure that when this current Sanzar agreement ends, we have a better one already ready to go you know when that change is made as opposed to then just scrambling around now uh, you know at the, at at the, the time, time to try and come up with something that's probably not been thought about not been researched not been um, you know it looked into extensively to make sure that that's actually probably going to work um, I think what we need to do is some type of summit like go to the like, a, like a Sansar summit well no no rugby just, just within yeah, Australian yeah. rugby yeah, just right. get everyone to maybe like the Hunter Valley have people from I like this already this yeah have, have people from like grassroots from school um, you know former players former coaches current players you know administrators everyone and, and, and fans as well like have you know a voice from all parts of the game that are, are disgruntled and, and, and all the rest of it and we, we almost like lock them in for three days or something and we, we talk about it and we have someone who can chair it that's that's impartial so that people you know get their, their chance to say things and at the end of it we all get to a point where we agree that the dialogue that we talk about rugby in you know in the, in the media and, and out in the public we're all singing off the same sheet and we're all working towards the same thing because Ultimately, we all want to see rugby succeed. Like, yeah. And it's not even if you're a, an avid rugby fan. Like, You just want to see Australia succeed, right? Yeah, like, of course. Yeah, I mean, people tune in when we're playing against New Zealand because we're you Australia. Want, yeah. yeah. And, um, and so, you know, people have a vested interest in when, you know, when there's a World Cup on. Even if you're not a rugby supporter, you're watching it. And, yeah. you know, for me as well, other sports, I watch all of them, even if I'm not particularly that keen on the sport. I'm, like, right behind them. Yeah. And I just think there's just too many it's probably a, a reflection of society these days that we just point out the negative and everything well, um, it seems to be where your social media has just like become this platform for negativity more than yeah, anything really. yeah and, and that's, you know? that's, that's just a, get on there and bag things yeah it's a sad thing that 140 or 280 characters of negativity gives someone a, a, a bit of fulfillment like that's yeah. a bad thing right yeah. I mean I, I get you know some people like all the time like spraying me or you know saying things or whatever like on, on my Twitter and I just go sometimes and just look at their thread and it's like it's really quite alarming that not just the tweets about rugby but majority of their tweets are just negative about anything the people that sort of you assume the people that engage in that sort of uh, 
dialogue with people are kind of fucking losers. Mm. You know what I mean? Which I know sounds like, but it's also really like, yeah, you know, which is like also really, where, yeah. really upsetting. Like, you know, like. You know, they're obviously maybe going through some stuff that, you know, they're, they're venting yeah. in other ways. And, you know, it's you unfortunate they don't have that support. society, though, or whether yeah. they are just... Most people aren't like that, but the people that are seem to get the loudest voice because you can start a hashtag or you can just start yeah. blasting someone. And, but the thing is, as well, is, you know, if you go into a pub and those same people are in there, they're not they're saying not it saying to you. No you know, like, Yeah, and no. uh, and that's the thing, I, I suppose. I mean, it's, it's a greater thing now that, like, without getting it too deep, but... That's what kids have to deal with now at school. Like you, you know, we used to get bullied from eight in the morning to three. Yeah. Uh, now kids, it's twenty four seven, and it's faceless, and it's you know people can write you know set an account up with no one knows who it is, but they say some really nasty things, and and it's the same for professional athletes or. or you know, anyone really, yeah. anyone you're you, you subjected to this type of criticism that's that's faceless and but it's still really scathing and uh, and you know that's that's where you talk about the anxieties and all the pressures and things that players these days have to deal with. Like that's where it becomes quite alarming and and I think that the 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 mental side of the game that's where the, our biggest growth is. You know, to be able to, to 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 separate that so when you're going into the game, you're going in with a clear mind, you can play with freedom, and you don't have to worry about, you know, the, the things that might be said to you afterwards, the ridicule or the, the embarrassment or, or, you know, if people think, oh, do, they, do they think I played well or not? Like, yeah. players just need to be able to, like, you know, deal with that and separate it, segregate it and just go, okay, and then have that confidence where they can go out and play. Yeah. Yeah. Are players taught how to deal with it? Like um, you know, I mean, do clubs try to sort of you know, get psychologists in. Or yeah, I mean, there's definitely, um, you know, it's it's greater now than it was, you know, back when I started. Like, you know, it's becoming, um, I guess it's you know, it's losing that stigma a little bit, and it's being you know about talking and, um, you know, because we are uh, we're pretty accustomed to being okay with our, our weaknesses being exposed in a rugby sense because people talk about them people write about them all the rest of it um, but the mental stuff is you know like what you know like when you're physically unwell or not up to scratch what do you do you go and fix it you, re- you rehabilitate a, yeah. a knee injury or, or whatever but the mental stuff you just like you, you tuck push it, it you know you tuck it away and you try and hide it and so for me like you know it's more right towards the, the back end of my career I just like I, I had a, a teacher or a coach in everything in my life Someone taught me how to walk, how to talk, how to do math, how to do the ABC, how to do English, whatever. Um, and then, you know, how to pass the ball, how to run, all that sort of stuff. I've had a, a coach for everything in my life, teacher or coach in everything in my life, except for life itself. Like all those life things, uh, you know, left to your, your family, your parents yeah. and your brothers or those, those around you. But all their advice is, is biased, right? Like I could do anything. My mum's going to think I'm still like, you know, like yeah. a little angel, but so I'm not always necessarily getting the right advice and all the, 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 the necessary tools to be able to deal with it. And so I just thought I, I, that kind of made me more comfortable to say, well, I'll speak to a therapist every couple of weeks and, but you know, and to see it as my life coach. Yeah. Like, and, and so I, I became, you know, pretty, pretty um, comfortable talking about it. And I'm, you know, like I still see every, every couple of weeks, sometimes I get on there and have a cry and other times I'm not, you know, but it's, it's important for me and, yeah. and it helps as well, like with anything just to kind of, um, to clear the mind or to, to have the tools to avoid certain, um, you know, uh, obstacles that you might hit. And so in, to go back with the, the current day rugby, um, uh, culture, I suppose there are offerings of, of that type of help, but you know, w- having one psychologist isn't going to 
speak to all 30 players in a team um, you know because you know I would, I would have spoken to four or five different ones now in my life and really resonated with one Yeah. so you know like it's good to have that offer there but it's also encouraging players to go out and seek it themselves and you know like you get so, there's so much growth in that if they find the right person that they can you know be comfortable with and, 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 and find that little edge that they perhaps haven't had for um, you know eight years I mean imagine um, you know we talked about how long it took Curtly to get to you know this, this level of his play like you know what if there's I don't know but what if there's an extra 5% that guy could get from look, speaking to someone like, yeah. I don't know like, yeah. it's I mean, not just about necessarily Curtly is you know, he's, he's an ambassador for Headspace so he's obviously speaking to someone but you know like it, this, it's it's a great um, I guess advertisement for, for anyone out there not just football players but everyone to kind of you know there's there's still so much growth within us that we're probably perhaps not tapping into so anyway sorry that got a little bit no, deep no, 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 honestly, no. honestly no, that's, it's cool and, and I mean you know there's so many conversations around this sort of topic and you know you can go on and say how refreshing it is genuinely to hear you talk yeah. about it in such an honest way because again none of us do or the majority yeah. of you of people don't and it's it's always important to just have to like the more casual I think you can make a conversation yeah. like that without it sort of that's why I sort of I'm reticent to be like mate that's so brave of you to say that yeah, no, because it, you kind of want to be like you want to just make it normal you want to make yeah. it seem like we all think it. about it we like all, we're laying down on the couch and there's you know like yeah. we're sitting there yeah. and, the more yeah. you sort of just go well this is this is just a normal thing that you should feel comfortable yeah. doing yeah absolutely it's yeah. cool yeah so back to rugby sure uh, how big of a well? No, this is so. This is sort of me and Eddie talk about this all the time, but and it's kind of a piss take, but it also isn't. <laughs> it's like, don't you reckon there's an element to rugby union and not like aside from sort of the perception whether it's we're playing bad or whatever, but like yeah. even just the coverage, like in the paper today. It was the I'm flicking through the paper and like rugby's so far in. There is an element, and I know rugby league would never admit this, but the atrocities that they have, they must love it on some level. You know what I mean? Like not necessarily the fucked up ones, but yeah. Let's say like Phipps pissing in a pub. Yeah, I was like, brilliant. This is (laughs) this is taking a bit of a. I don't you know I know it's obviously an embarrassing thing for him. Like yeah, but there's an element there where rugby union players are almost like too well behaved. Or there's not enough scandal going on, even if it's like into club shit. Coaches getting sacked. Yeah, it doesn't like get made sexy enough. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's um, you know they say you know any press is good press, right? And you know we, we see, you know we, we're we're seeing with the the Bulldogs Mad Monday, which is anyways another conversation in itself. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you know the to make a bit of a serious point about this the fight like the, the core values about rugby the respect and all that sort of stuff that we really hold dear to us and makes our game we feel different to most others and um, you know I mean there's I don't know I guess when you're doing things like that then it has a big impact on people around you like yeah. the, your teammates and, and that type of thing and I think there's probably just I don't know I mean for me if I was ever to be in a position where I really let my, down my team like that then I'd um you know, I'd be pretty ashamed and, and embarrassed. Yeah. So, but Maybe mind not, you, I do, you I do also I mean, like a little bit of that. You know, yeah. like sometimes, you know, like it's like I, I, I think it's it's gone too far the other way where the expectation on these these players to not have a social life is ridiculous. Yeah. Like we're asking eighteen year olds to come out of school and all of a sudden just be the perfect role model. Like 
to know when to say no to to going out and drinking with their mates who are having 18th birthday parties or 21st or or uni stuff like and have the capacity to say you know what no it's not the right thing for me now just because and people use it all the time but he's getting paid 500 grand like just because you're getting paid 500 grand doesn't mean you say you're all of a sudden a perfect role model like it's ridiculous and if you're if you can't be a better role model for your kids than than you're expecting this 18 year old kid to be then you failed as a parent like you know I mean you've got to you know there's got to be some accountability on you know on on people at home to kind of say to, to you know to say look Yes, these guys are role models and, and they do some great things, but they're also human and they do some bad things, just like, you know, your mother and father would do all the rest of it. Like, mm. um, you know, there just needs to be a bit more dialogue around that, I think, yeah. because the expectation on that, and which means now that players can't go out and drink because everyone's a paparazzi now with their phone, um, you know, so the expectation is you can only have a house party. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, and again, from 18 to 33 when you retire, you're denied an opportunity just because, again, you're getting paid 500 grand, you can stop drinking for 11 months of the year like I mean it's it's ridiculous and yeah. then all of a sudden what do we see that one month where they have off in the off season they go loose yeah. and that's where you see the scandal and that's, like, the scandal, and, yeah. and that's you know I was you know during my career there were times where you were subjected to the breath lies of the morning after a game really and we had to be zero and so I was like hang on and I, I was always like you know I wouldn't be backward in coming forward I'd be like so you're saying I could legally drive at .05 with the police yeah, yeah. but it's not acceptable for my rug, like you know, for rugby. Yeah, like yeah, I can be on the road. Yeah, I can yeah. be on the road. Their lives are at risk. I can be on the road, <laughs> but I, but I can't turn up to an ice bath. Like yeah, you yeah. know, like it's ridiculous. Yeah. And and you know, like and then if we're doing that every every week, what were we doing? We'd find other ways. Like you, you know, you treat people like kids. They start acting like kids. So what we would do instead of drinking on the Saturday night after a test match or after a game where you got a week to recover before the next one, we'd wait till Tuesday night because we knew we had a Wednesday. Day, Wednesday was our day off, and you don't have to see the coaches you don't have to surface so we go out Tuesday night which is closer to the game closer to the game and more detrimental but you can't you know again for 11 months to expect these people from 18 to 33 or whatever and it's not like every week don't get me wrong but you know like if you want to um you know blow off some steam blow off some steam we always talk about we always hear about you know having that balance like you know we all the amount of times you have to say no to weddings or to, to birthdays or to whatever like yeah um because of you know time permitting with with uh, with rugby but I don't know. I just think it's, it's a, um, an unfair kind of expectation on on professional uh, athletes to kind of all of a sudden just be, you know, almost robotic in, in that they can't actually go out and let their hair down a little bit. And, um, you know, and because sponsor involved and all the rest of it, we can't be seen to have a scandal that, you know, you're not allowed to drink so we're breathalyzed. You know, I mean, Michael Checker came in. He said, look, there's no curfew. There's no, there's no breathalyzers. But... I'll treat you like men and I expect you to act like men. The moment you act like a kid, then I'll treat you like a kid. Yeah. And under his tenure, there's not really been a a, uh, a scandal or, or anything. A man's so, man, check. Yeah, no, he's a good man. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, when I first started, there was certainly is a little bit looser in terms of uh, being able to go out and, and enjoy yourself. Yeah. Um, well, you've, you kind of, your career has spanned the pre social yeah. media yeah. to the. I used to go out with the, the Nokia Cybershot and take photos, you know, like with the memory card. That's what I, that was what I used to tour with all the time. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, now, like it's... Uh, Two pixel cameras. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's almost, sometimes it's almost a little bit sad. These young guys coming through, your Jack Maddoxes, that will never experience the op- the other way. Like yeah. it's, it's, and it's only going to get worse because, as we know, the PC world that we live in, it's oh, just going to continue. Oh, well, what do you make of the Bulldogs thing then? Uh, look, I don't... Uh, 
I think if you're at a venue, you probably shouldn't be getting naked. Mm. But I, yeah. I think um, other than that, you know, people being drunk, uh, people getting carried by a mate, I think, you know, it's better than not being carried by a mate, right? Yeah. Um, you know, vomiting, yeah, it's not the greatest look, but it's also not illegal and it's um, not something that everyone else in all other walks of society do of a weekend. Um, I think $250,000 is an absolute joke. I know, um, it's, it's ridiculous. And no one would have known yeah, had, had they just not sat out the yeah. front and waited for him to fuck up and take photos. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No one's affected. Yeah, exactly. No but, one would be none the wiser, you know it, what I mean? But it's almost like, you know... Like, that this time of the year, I suppose there's there's going to be a story that comes out of it, and yeah. and you know as players we could probably be a bit smarter about it and just say okay, go to venues where aren't right in the middle of the city or yeah. um, but again like you know you can go and, and let your hair down and have a drink but keep your gear on if you're in public like yeah. that's because I think if if that one well, that is a that was yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and that, that was probably also what then grabbed the attention and then, you know because and if it didn't have the, the photos of the naked guy, they wouldn't. Re- it wouldn't have been wouldn't a have story, been really. Page. You know, it wouldn't have been. No. Oh, someone vomited in, in out the back, and another guy was getting carried by a mate. But because of the naked one, all of a sudden, the other stuff gave context to that yeah. story. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I don't in any way condone that sort of stuff whilst you're out, but uh, I think it also has um, blown out of proportion. Big time. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to get back to Super Rugby just quickly. Yeah. What do you, do you have an opinion on what you think they should do and what will happen? Like, there's been a lot of chat about South Africa leaving f- for good. Yeah. So there's a couple of teams already gone to Europe. The yeah. Kings, I think. Kings and uh, the Cheetahs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's more chatter about them, you know, more teams leaving in the coming years. Yeah. Do you think that'll happen? And if it does. What happens then? Do we should we go back to like a national comp? No, so I, I think um, I think the reason the Super Rugby product is flawed is because people don't engage with the play, the, the, the the teams that we're playing against. Yeah, there's because, no narrative. Well, yeah, I mean, people don't know the players from South Africa because all the games are on at two or three in the morning, mm. and so when their teams goes over there and plays, they perhaps catch the highlights. But on the other side is when those teams come to Australia, largely. The fans don't know who's actually playing, like yeah. who the Waratahs are playing or who the Brumbies are playing because they don't actually see anything about these teams from South Africa or even now more so from Argentina. Like, I think we've kind of, you know, we've got a bit excited about the growth of the game and it's almost been detrimental to our, our local game. I, I think, and what I hope would happen is South Africa go north. Mm. It suits them with, with time zones. Um, and also, I'm sure uh, the South African Rugby Union would prefer to. You know, buy, have a bit of a chunk of the the, the that, TV rights deal oh, yeah. in, in pound because yeah, you know, right. I think the rand is at nineteen uh, to to one pound at the moment. So they you know, they could probably deal with a little bit of uh, a little bit of pound. Um, <laughs> and also for us, just have a localized product. Just have and sure, you know, we I, I understand the conversation about New Zealand being so much better than us at the moment, but have a localized product where you know. Everyone who's viewing a game can watch every single game. They can get to know the players from New Zealand, Australia, but also introduce um, the uh, Pacific Islands team, at least one, but then, you know, with with um, the idea to grow um, soon after because we as, a, as Tier 1 nations need to do more for, you know, the Tier 2, Tier 3 nations so that... Because one thing about our game is great is there's so many teams that can go to a World Cup, probably eight, six to eight teams that could genuinely win it mm. um, I mean New Zealand are, 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 you know way out in front but other than that like 
there's there's a real strong um, you know competitive nature of our World Cup, but there's also teams like that have the capacity to bring up you know to have the big upsets like uh, Fiji's, Tonga's, Samoa's, Japan's even like we've got to do more to help well, with look their... at the last World Cup. Yeah, yeah, topple off South Africa. Exactly, and Ridiculous. I think you know we, you know we get so much from the islands. You know when I say we Australia and, and New Zealand with with uh, with our depth and, and yeah. our talent, but our, also our entertainment and and what they bring like it brings so much. And you know I think as as a tier one nation, we can do a lot more with their development as well. So I hope that to answer the question, I think we need a localized product, and I think that hopefully we will get towards that. Mm. And so that'd be getting rid of as well, like Argentina and Japan. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's so hard to get. Like, for these teams to get there, they're going like Sao Paulo and then this, yeah, and like, you know, yeah, San Diego yeah. and like, whatever. Like, you know, it's just too hard. And I think, and most of the Argentinian players, or correct me if I'm wrong, don't most of their best players play in Europe anyway? No. So, well, yeah, they do, but they've also no, they've got a rule that you can't play for the national team unless you play. For the Super Rugby team, so basically the Super Rugby team is their national team. Oh, like, right. you know, that's yeah. what it is now. So yeah. you know, like again, in Japan they got the Sun Wolves, but they've got a fourteen team, uh, you know, professional comp in the top league up there, as well as a second tiered professional comp. Like they're doing all right. Yeah, you know? like yeah. let's you know, like where where you know, in terms of their development and, and the depth of, of talent they've got, they've got you know arguably twenty teams to pick from in in their depth pool. Like we've got four. Like yeah. you know, sometimes um, you know, it, I, I guess that's. Bad would be from what I'm saying because I'm, I, I'm suggesting we, we help out the, the, the island nations as well as um, but you know like Japan are doing alright they've got like plenty of cash which mm. the island nations don't yeah. have like you know, I, I was in the team with a lot of those, a lot of players from the Samoa, Tonga, and, and Fiji um, national teams. They'd have to pay for their own flights to go back and play for the national team. You know, like, or they'd get three hundred quid when they're playing against England at Twickenham, like, and 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 uh, three hundred dollars, three hundred quid, yeah, and and England are getting twenty thousand quid yeah. each player for that game. Like, so there's a discrepancy there that I think yeah. we, you know, we we could help with, and um, you know, I think it would be better for the game as well. I, w- I wanted to ask you, what was it like that 2015 World Cup campaign? Was it Was it 2015? Yeah, yeah, 2015, yeah. Um, what was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, like, going back to the start of it, I was in France, not eligible, and there started to be, like, a, a couple of whispers about oh, that's Michael right. Checker changing the, the law yeah, to, yeah. to access players overseas, and um, I was playing in the same team as Matt Guido. A lot of the discussion was around him. The Gitto rule. It's called Gitto's law. Yeah, yeah, but it's bullshit. Like, look, Gitz had played 93 tests. If it was the Gitto rule, it would have been a cap at 90, right? Yeah, Yeah. right. I'd played 61 tests. (laughs) The Gitto law is 60 caps. So, like, I don't know. I think, you know, like, I I think if it was just the Gitto, it would have been 90. I think, you know, I think I've probably been a little bit ripped off there. no, so I oh, will start campaigning for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Mitchell. the Mitchells. Oh. Yeah, and uh, I, I, you know, Gitz was speaking to to check a little bit, and uh, you know he'd speak again. I'm like, oh, I'm just checking my fucking no, nothing, and it went for you know a good couple of months. I'm thinking, okay, well, I was you know pumped for Gitz because the way he wasn't. Um, selected in the 2011 World Cup was ridiculous yeah. and, and it was you know great for him to potentially go on and earn 100 caps because he was very deserving um, but then I came in off uh, off the field after one game against Cast this French team I had a voicemail from Michael Checker and before I could even take my boots off I was in the bathroom <laughs> listening to this voicemail and I was like mate just give me a call back you know straight away I got on the call and he's like you know we want you to come back and I was like 
<laughs> just grabbed a Heineken and necked it. And I was like, yeah. And uh, it woke up pretty crook the next day. But um, so we were coming back and there was a bit of, you know, there was a bit of chat from, um, from some people within the group, also outside of the group, about them being opposed to players being able to come back. What so some of the, some of the players? Uh, well, you know, I mean, Stephen Larkin came out and said uh, that he right, didn't think, yeah. because, and he was the backs coach. And, yeah. But he was also the head coach of the Brummies at the time. And, you know, it would have meant that perhaps Christian Lee Lafano didn't come, you know, like, so obviously he had the back of his, of his team, which is fine, but it also just meant that we were a bit nervous about the reception we we're going to get when we get, we got back there and we'll fly back and uh, you know when you sit well, when you sit down you know when you turn on the plane you turn left um, you sit down you get a champagne before you take off yeah that's exactly I know that experience yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only turn left when you get on the yeah, plane boys yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, and then you rock up to training in your business class and <laughs> I was like hey boys I'm back <laughs> Qantas Wallabies right um, and then uh, you know so we, we, we sort of sat there and we just went alright we made a pact we just said look if one of us can't do it don't want to do it had enough we're doing it together so if one walks we both walk if, you know otherwise we, you know this whole journey that we're going to go on we do it together and and it was it was good to kind of go through that with you know with my best mate and there were times where it was difficult there were times where you know in, in Notre Dame University in the pre-world cup camp that we'd just be I don't know just second guessing perhaps a little bit and then we'd call room service and get 12 Budweiser's delivered to our room <laughs> and it's like we just have to like you know we just have to kind of just chill and just yeah. like because it was all very serious you know it was just coming from Toulon where there's no contact there's a rosé between sessions you know like <laughs> it was just a really like you know it was, it was a lot to kind of get our head around the, the change Yeah. and so sometimes we kind of just had to like you know just chill a bit and just yeah. pop a bud and just you know sit Unwind. there and cheers and just have a drink and, and vent in our little journals and stuff um, but it was you know it was we needed to do because that whole journey I suppose from where we started to you know to losing that World Cup final was a really special environment to be around and um, mate I went to bed the night before that final but like believing I was going to be a world champion the next day like mm. not hoping not like thinking like genuinely thinking like believing I'm going to be a fucking world champion. Like, that was the, the, the confidence that Czech had put in us and that we got from each other and that belief that was just, like, I'm getting, like, my, those little goosebumps just talking about yeah. it because it was a really special time for me, um, you know, to be to be involved in that. And, and sure, you know, we, we, we didn't get the, the result that we wanted, but... Um, yeah, all the build-up and the way that the, the country got around us and rallied behind us and um, all the support that we are getting. And then and just, yeah, I guess just where the way it went. Like, we had our last five games, the last two pool games, quarter, semi and final were all at Twickenham. You're crazy. Like, you know, like, it was just, it, the way it all kind of panned out, it went well. Um, for me to kind of come back and play in, in the Australian team again where I thought it was never possible yeah. it was really special I had you know all those closest to me I flew them all over um, and you know so tickets were pretty expensive for that World Cup <laughs> final for everyone but you know I'd do it all again in a heartbeat like sure. it was cool that you know when I walk off that um, that field you know I had mum there I had dad and I had my brother like it was just it was a special moment and uh, but it's also um, I don't know I've it forms a bond, a bond with all those players that we experience that with that um, that can never be broken. And, and I hope that, you know, this current group get the opportunity to kind of, you know, form. And, and that's why I think as well, Cheka needs to be the man for this next World Cup. Like, because there'll be no one better um, suited to, to be able to get that type of feeling again yeah. with, with, the, with the group. And, and you know, for... 
for everything that you might be behind in terms of set piece or um, defensive structures or this and that and the other, if you've got that, it, it, it can also, you know, in some ways make up for a lot of, um, you know, that other stuff and, uh, and, and Czech's pretty good at that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what he comes up with and, yeah. and just watching, you know, the, this, this group, it's a pretty young group that he's starting to bring together, but for that glue to really start to mesh and to, to, to take hold and those guys go in, uh, into Japan as, as one. I think there's been an unfair amount of um, negativity from a certain few journalists that have created this pressure. And, you know, and off the back of that, a lot of what we... <coughs> what we we form a lot of our opinions on things that we read, right? So a lot of other people on the platforms yeah. like Twitter start venting this, this this anger and it's not a discussion, it's venting. If you're not... A discussion is like in being involved in something where you're offering solutions and, and different things. And also being if, prepared to have your mind changed by exactly. someone else's opinion. And if all you're doing is venting, I mean, you know, just like being negative and, and being so close-minded about it all and just like, no, that's it, blah, blah, blah. And because I read it here, it's got to be true. That, that's just venting. That's not helping anything, right? And I think in some ways, which is really disappointing, some journalists, Australian journalists, would prefer the Wallabies to lose because it suits their narrative to get rid of Checker. And really? I think so. Like what? Who? <laughs> no, but um, I'll yeah. tell you one thing you don't win a World Cup on is a quick fix. You will not win a World Cup in 12 months. Mm. And, you know, like we're talking about the, the plans and stuff, like um, Czech has already started playing and has been for a long time. And that's what, we, like you're saying, we're starting to bring in players and they're starting to get that experience so that when in the World Cup they can actually be comfortable and, and know that they belong in those that arena and go out and execute. And, I mean, Czech is a planner and, you know, nothing's done by chance with him. So he'll be going through and, and you know, there'll, there'll be plans that are in place for him to kind of start executing over the next 12 months as well, like before the World Cup. And it'd be a damn shame if he doesn't get the opportunity to do that because yeah. someone coming in now, especially with the limited time you get access to a, a Wallaby team, these guys will be together until the end of November. Hmm. Czech doesn't get to see them again, other than maybe a couple of three-day camps during Super Rugby, until June. World Cup's in September, October. Like, yeah, it's you know, a so long time. I don't yeah. know who this new coach is going to be able to turn things around with like maybe 30 days with hands-on. That's it like, as well, though. Who is there? There doesn't seem to be like uh, someone waiting in the wings. Like Larkham, I imagine, is the one that if they were going to get rid of Checker. But even then, it's not like... And not just shitting on Bernie at all. Yeah. National treasure. Yeah. It's not like he's, you know, been winning super rugby competitions. or It's like Checker is, is clearly the man there. There's no one... Yeah. I mean, Czech's come out and said, look, if, if we don't win the World Cup, he'll vacate the spot. He said, yeah. you know, I'm employed to, to come in and, and win the World Cup. And if I can't do that, then I'll give... If I can't do it in, in two cycles, then there's every chance I'm not going to do it in the third. So I'll yeah. vacate the spot and, you know, and, and someone else can come in and have a crack to, to implement those plans and, 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 uh, and do it, you know, four years later. So... I just think we just got to give him a chance. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, give him a chance. I know, I know it's, I know it's frustrating, the, and the, the results, uh, you know, are hard. But I also know these guys. Like, well, they've been hard for a while, though. Yeah, yeah, you they have I mean? been. They have realistically. been. Realistically, but, but yeah, exactly. But really, again, realistically. The All Blacks are fucking good. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. And unfortunately for us, we had that five, six years of success there in yeah. late 90s, early 2000s, for which now everything is measured against. You yeah, know what I mean? It's it. like, yeah. if we're not winning the Bursley and we're not winning the fucking World Cup, then everyone's up in, in arms. In some ways, it's and like... I mean, rightly so, but... Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it makes it tough. Like, in some ways, it's like expecting 
the USA Dream Team to get beaten. Like, you know, like, they're that good. Yeah, absolutely. They like, are that good. They're that good. They'll, then, they'll get beaten one in ten, though, so that's our opportunity. Yeah, but, so. but, but you know, and some people say that the Bledisloe is tougher to win than the World Cup. But I think you've got to give that context. You, you may only have to beat the All Blacks once in a World Cup to win it. You yeah, know, to win a bladder is like you've got to at least win it twice. Yeah. You know, like and and that it's a hard task in world sport at the moment is to beat the All Blacks in a series and um and that's not saying that it's acceptable and that's not saying that these players think it is either because and also the the, the way that both games blew out by thirty points towards the back end. Like that's you know, like that's probably the most alarming, but it doesn't mean to say like um you know, like it's it's doomsday, and you know, yeah. and, and just sack everyone and start again. And because I'm telling you right now, if you sack everyone and start again, the same thing's going to happen. Yeah, because the the, the core issue is the, the pathways, mm. and you know we need to get that, and it's going to hurt for a while. And if we get that right now, it's still going to hurt for a while until that pathway starts to produce uh, players that are better equipped and better ready uh, to to play in these levels. On pathways, it, it must frustrate you as it frustrates Tom and I that. When we talk about pathways, we've then got, you know, rugby produces players like Kalen Ponga, Mm -hmm. like Angus Crichton, and then off, both of them. Like, Kalen Ponga, arguably arguably the most prodigious talent ever, even more so than Kirtley, some would say. Sure. He's playing rugby league. Angus Crichton, schoolboy for I don't know how many years, a couple. He's gone straight to rugby league. And we were saying the other day, when he came out of school, he went and talked to the Waratahs, and they said, oh, listen, mate, like, to be honest, we don't really see you playing for the Waratahs for another four years. Yeah. So you just you hear these stories, and then you just, you just I mean, I mean, that's it probably, makes you feel a little. That's funny probably about an oversight by that person. Um, yeah. But I, I think that the biggest. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the hard, we're, we are producing talent, but the, we're not keeping it. Yeah. The hard thing for us, right? Is, you know, I, I commentated the Australian schoolboys last year, and half that team were already linked to rugby league teams. And the, the thing is. There are 16 rugby league teams with strong academies and they've got money. And rugby league are now going out and offering, even if it's $1,000, to 500 different 14-year-olds. It's cool when you're 14 to be aligned to a, to an NRL club, right? Yeah. We don't have that money to go out and do that. So already, when, like, although they're playing rugby through our school systems, they're already attached to a rugby league club. And because there's 16 of them, they've, they've got far greater reach and, and capacity to go out and, and you know, and in some ways tie some of these young kids up. And if... Out of the thousand, they each club puts out there. If they get a few, then that's money well spent. Right? Yeah. Imagine the return on giving Caelan Pong a two grand or five grand at fourteen. Like, look at the return now. Like, it's paying dividends. But we don't have the the, the finances to be able to go out there and do that. So we need to find other ways. We need to go. We we can't just um, expect our death pool to come from um, GPS private schools. No. Like, we need to go out. Um, you know, to public school, and we need to tap into even to like you know everywhere out west, rural, indigenous, like everywhere. Like everywhere. We, we, yeah, like we need to make rugby again like this national sport that people not only like you don't have to play it to play for the Wallaroos or Wallabies. Like play it because it's a good sport. It gives you good values. You know, it's good fun. It makes you well rounded, and, and you know, and you, you can take things from that into other parts of your life as well. Yeah. So um, you know, we just need. To, I think we need to do a lot more at the at the um, at the younger ages. Just. Uh, Wanted to know, this is a bit, this isn't on rugby so much, but look, you're, you're a handsome man. And we were just trying to work out how you're still single and whether as, uh, you know, a man in, who's achieved what you have, whether social media, whilst it has its downfalls, obviously, and, you know, you get you get the mean tweets left, right <laughs> and centre. DMs. Are we getting a lot of thirsty boys and girls sliding into the DMs? Uh, Mitchell? 
Oh, look, I, I get the odd re- uh, request or, or message. Um, what request? Oh, you know, because it's like, a, you know, if I don't follow them, it comes up as like a DM request. And oh, I have to yeah. Decline oh, it or yeah, allow yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I thought you mean they were requesting things. Oh, like, you know, perhaps, perhaps that's yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm 34. I've had, uh, you know, I've, I've had a few relationships. Um, that uh, that obviously haven't worked out, um, you know, for varying different reasons, and and I don't know. I guess without getting too deep into it, you know, perhaps not, um, you know, equipped enough maturity wise to to, oh, to now maintain I feel bad. things. Now um, I feel like you're self reflecting. I'm gonna I'm gonna wipe this tear away. Um, <laughs> no, but but I, you know, it's one of those things. Now I think at at, at my age, um, you know, I'm no longer really. That keen on social media, well, you know, like for me, if I want to, if I want to, uh, I guess get involved in in something, it would, I, w- I wanted to see a future in it, so uh, I won't be wasting too much of my time and things where I just think it's going to be uh, short lived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, very mature. Yeah, that yeah. is mature. That's a mature. And, uh, and how's the new gig going at Fox? You enjoying it? Yeah, it's good, uh, mate. It's it's good fun. Um, you know, I mean. For me, for lack of a better term, it helps me not having to go cold turkey out of rugby. Mm. Um, I still get that game day um, atmosphere, that that feel, that you know, the, of the the crowd and the ground and the nervous energy of saying something wrong. Because as we know, in the modern days, you can say plenty of things that uh, you know that are going to upset people. And but also, you ask know, Barry Hall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll leave that one. But, um, but I'm also, you know, I'm commentating a lot of my friends, and uh, and I, does I've that got, make it difficult? Yeah, it makes it difficult because you know I have to have an opinion, and what they're doing isn't always positive. Um, but I, I I went around to uh, all the the Super Rugby teams before uh, the season started, and I just sort of said, look, bear in mind, I, I'm a rookie at this, um, and like all rookies, we're going to make mistakes. But I'm also quite heavily reliant on feedback. So if there's a, a moment, because I'm sure there will be, where I've upset one of you. Or, or more importantly, one of your family, because that's often the case. Is like you know your family get upset by, because um, you know they're hearing things about their brother or their or their boy or whatever. I said then let me know. Like reach out, you know, slide into my DMs, um, <laughs> uh, whatever it might be. But let me know. And, I, and if I you know if I'm strong in my opinion, I'll, I'll tell you that and why I think that. And if not, I you know I'll change things to it so I don't do it again because I think you can still be negative. You can still convey something in a negative way, but choose your language and the dialogue in which you convey that that can have a big impact have you had anyone reach out to you and be like yeah wasn't happy with the way you said that or? Uh, no not yet not yet that's good um, but we'll see this, yeah. it's early doors yeah. it's early doors yeah <laughs> have you had any itch to come back no, no, no. Well, like, because you are, you still technically could have been, could be playing. Yeah, yeah, of course. I was mean, they're just. Uh, was there? Mate, I was sitting in a, I was sitting in a team meeting in Toulon and just thought, I want to be anywhere except where I am right now. Right. I just, I tapped out. Like, I just mentally, like, it's, it's taxing. It's, you know, the, the discipline and the commitment and the sacrifice. And I just got to the point where I was like, <laughs> I've, I'm done with all that. You know, yeah. like, I'm just. And if you don't, if you're not at that level to do that, like, it becomes really obvious. Mm. And I just, you know, I, that was the moment I kind of had that little light bulb moment. I just went, no, I'm done. And I drafted up a tweet and I showed Gitz and he's like, fuck beef. Like, that's <laughs> that's pretty big. And I just went, like, send. And I was like, oh, I guess I can't go back now, right? And, uh, and that was it. But then the last three months of that season... I really enjoyed knowing it was my last three months, and um, you know, it was you know, it was a, a really sort of special time for me to to play it out over there. And um, you know, my parents again were there for the last game in, in Paris. And um, but yeah, it was, it was uh, yeah, I, I, I've not 
thought about even coming back. Um, oh, that's good. I don't even have any itch to kind of go around. Like, even like Stephen Hawes calls me up and says, mate, we've got a, a classic Wallaby. I'm like, mate, I'm done. Like, <laughs> don't even want to play like park footy, nothing. Like, I just don't. Just yeah. don't want to. I mean, do it. it might be, it might, you know, in a year's time, I might want to get in, in, involved in those types of games, like the, the classic stuff. Um, but I just don't have any urge to play. What I actually want to do is play in like a um, over 35 soccer league. <laughs> really? Like, just like a local comp, just to be involved in a team, but not yeah. have to worry about contact and just yeah, like yeah. run around and kick a ball so if there's anywhere any team around Queen's Park that, uh, that need a left winger <laughs> um, <laughs> I can cross it in I'm left footed yeah, I can cross it in um, yeah. yeah then uh, then reach out, reach slide, out slide into my DMs yeah, and slide into his DMs yeah, yeah, punters yeah, get it like slide tackle yeah slide, yeah, slide yeah, tackle yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so and then what other than that you've, you've taken a marathon running yeah well <laughs> mate, I never liked training um, and so now, but I, I train because one, I was, it was my job. Uh, two, was as a means to get a selection of a jersey that meant a lot to me, um, and also because I had a coach telling me to do it. Like, yeah. you know, like, but they also were telling me what I had to do, how much your recovery time, all that sort of stuff. So motivation was fine. But now when I've retired, first time I'm, I'm going to um, public gyms, first time I'm working out where there's like females around. Like I went through all boys school and then into, into rugby. I yeah. never trained in like a public environment. But also you go there and I'm not training for anything. Mm. So it's hard to find. Like I do a couple of sets and just convince myself that I'd worked hard enough and I'd walk out. And I'm like, so now I guess my primary motivation for a while was just vanity I was just like again like I need someone to like what they see right so so I was just like okay that was my motivation for a while but then I thought okay I'm gonna just commit to something and make it public and so then people will hold me accountable um if I'm not and you know and really test myself so I thought I'm, I'm not in any way an endurance athlete but I'll try and complete the um New York Marathon giving me at least eight or nine months, which meant, you know, it wasn't just something I could achieve in a month. Mm. Um, you know, it was something that I, I set quite far in advance so that I would maintain a level of fitness going into that. Sure, I've dropped the ball a little bit on it, but and I've got a, a pretty a pretty tough two months ahead before, before that starting gun. But, um, you know, it, it's nice because sometimes on my DMs, people will come in and go, you know, if, if I'm out there having a drink or something on a Sunday afternoon, they go, how's that marathon training going, mate? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I've got to go for a run tomorrow. So, you know, so it's nice. It's, it's um, keeping me accountable like that. And I think it'd be cool to at some point say that I've, I've run a marathon. Yeah. I in no way want to get the bug where I become a marathon runner. Yeah, right. Like, I don't want to do anything more than this one marathon. That's yeah. it. And then I'll find a new, a new goal to, to, you know, work towards. And I don't know, perhaps you'll see me climbing Everest in three years or something there I've actually go. looked into that but really I think that could be a bit too hard Vasco. that's a bit that's like just a step too far in terms yeah. of like maybe, maybe just base camp base camp maybe yeah. just base camp base camp would be alright I yeah. could get around base yeah. camp yeah. I don't know if I'd yeah. be able to do it yeah um, and then what you're also doing you were talking before is E-squared yeah E-squared yeah What's so it's like about? a fitness on demand application that uh, just pay as you use um, so the, the, the company uh, was founded in London and it, it um it, uh, it launched there in November of last year and they asked me to be the general manager here in Australia so um, first first job just straight to 
DM the GM. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I kind of just at first just liked to say that, really. Um, and then it all of a sudden dawned on me that I've got quite a lot of responsibility and accountability. And I then started having to hire people. And now I've never sat in an interview to get a job. Now I'm interviewing people to give jobs. And I've got a team now working for me in Sydney, Brisbane, and Melbourne. We launched in Sydney on Wednesday night, just gone, on the 5th. So it's live. If you want to download, it's free to download. Um, E-squared app. E-squared, yeah. yeah E-squared fitness. So, um, and yeah, so it's basically just, you know, if you want to work out just a one-off, just open up the app. All the options around will, sh- you know, will come up. Any type, yoga, Pilates, uh, high intensity, all that sort of stuff will come up. You make your booking, you attend, you work out, you sweat, and that's it. No, that's pretty good, eh? No like, commitment. That's pretty good. Like, no in commitment. terms of what I was saying before, like, I, I've got a gym membership. My girlfriend's made me sign up to a couple of them, and I've certainly <laughs> wasted a fuckload of money, and I'm currently signed up to one now that offers me a shitload, and I don't use it. Yeah. Although I may give off the vibe that I'm quite physically fit. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of like a... So it's like a kind of Uber or like a Deliveroo yeah. gym where you're just sort of going in you there. Just, you get a service that you want and need at that time, and that's it. So I like it. I like I it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Well, mate... Thank you very much for coming in. I really appreciate it. No worries, it. boys. Thank you. Um, now, we do have one request uh, from you. We've sure. been trying to get uh, a couple of people on this podcast. Okay. One being Curtly Beal. We've got a mutual friend there with us. Yeah. We're greasing some wheels. We're seeing how we go. Sure. But also Angus Crichton. I don't know if you know Angus Crichton at all, but basically we've been, our fo- listeners, we've been getting them to slide into his DMs, and we're not yeah. asking you to do that. But if you could just put a little message to, to record here uh, just to ask both Angus and Kurtley to reach out to the Hello Sport podcast uh, tell them how good it is and tell them to come on uh, fuck I don't know how to start it okay boys Drew Mitchell here I've got a request to help these boys out Hello Sport podcast Curly Beal and Angus Crichton, you guys have got to get on and man this mic. I know you guys are busy. You've got a bit of football. You're tasting around the, the oval leg uh, on the, on, out on the grass pitch. But, boys, half an hour of your time. Get on. Give the listeners what they want. Give, it, give them what they want. Curly, go well against the Springboks. Angus, go well against the, uh, the Broncos, um, you know, in your, in your games this weekend. But both of you do one thing this weekend it's to commit to get on this podcast that's it thank you yes. Drew and also just uh, pretty sure that Angus is playing Melbourne same shit <laughs> <laughs> all the Melbourne players are from from Brisbane anyway <laughs> you two just not talk anymore Honda's got great deals across a great range all month long in fact they're so great that we can't tell you exactly what they are so what's the deal Come in to find out, and let's help you into a Honda today. T's and C's apply. See honda.com.au for details.